Welcome back, Red Spotters. I am your host here, Alexis Soto, and today, thankfully, once again, for the second time in a row, I am not joined by uh, the Death of Hope himself. Uh, he is uh, absent at the moment, and so in his absence, I have uh, enlisted the help of a wonderful friend of the show, also known as the number one fan of the Red Spotlight Network, Mr. David Moreno himself, is here gracing us with his wonderful presence. How are you doing today, David? Very good. <laughs> that is so good to hear. He actually, I think, just fixed a sink or something, which is something I would never learn how to do. So <laughs> congratulations on that. That sounds exciting to an extent, I think. Thanks to YouTube. <laughs> Thanks to YouTube. There you go. You see, you go on YouTube, you can learn how to do anything. Welcome to uh, the 21st century, where you can do that. And also, of, of course, hail Nazis, which I would not recommend you do, but some people are doing these days. Um, today, we have uh, some... Actually, it's going to be a Marvel-themed episode today in regards to some housekeeping that we have neglected to do over the past few, I think, weeks or months. Mm. Uh, we're going to actually start off with some uh, reports and rumors about Marvel meeting with Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, uh, recently, and uh, some have suspected that perhaps it might lead to an inevitable hiring for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which has also, in the news, been put on hold while crew members have been told to go find work in the meantime. So that's an ongoing story, as you've heard for the past four or five episodes. Seriously, it's a nonstop wall-to-wall coverage here on Red Spotlight, and we'll get, of course, David's thoughts on that. And also, we just realized that we never gave you the promised season one review of Marvel's the Inhumans on ABC Television Network. I think some of you may have thought that perhaps for good reason none of us actually watched it. Uh, we did talk about the first two episodes a long time ago, but David, in fact, is the only other person, I think maybe in the world, <laughs> besides me, that actually, you know, hates himself so much that we watched the entire season of Inhumans, the one and only. Oh, actually, I think we can now say the whole series, right? Because it was canceled. Yeah, it was. So, <laughs> which I think we all saw coming a mile away. But um, I think I, we only owe it to you to actually talk about that because we never actually did. Uh, and we kind of hyped it up for months and months and months and just kind of went away. So <laughs> this will be the actual conclusion to um, the Inhuman Saga, God willing. Um and we're actually going to end off the episode with a discussion on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., seemingly one of the only TV shows that Marvel has produced that actually that keeps working at the moment, um, and one that I think both uh, David and I share a, a love for. And we're basically going to get into um, our history with the show, where we think... Um, Five years later, uh, what the legacy of this series is um, going forward, any new details about the series, as well as our thoughts on Season 5. Uh, I will note that there is an uh, upcoming Season 5 review um, with Peter Martinez. Um, he has been very hush about his thoughts on the series, although, I mean, on the season, although he has promised that he uh, is going to bring plenty of surprises for uh, the inevitable review. So that is going to be interesting. So while we won't, um, this won't be entirely a season five review, it's more of a series overview, um, we are going to get into some spoilers about season five, and I'm going to ask David's thoughts overall um, here on the show. All right, then. So we're going to actually start off with the news of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 being put on hold indefinitely for the time being while Disney and Marvel Studios regroup. It seems that's uh, supporting last week's report in Variety that Disney's Alan Horn had uh, stayed firm on his decision to not hire James Gunn back to the um, project and choosing to align himself with Nazis, as I will say. That's my own editorial on this spin. Um, and because of that, of course, as we all know, the film was about to go into production and it's looking at the moment, at least to me, that they're going to very much keep the skeleton of that script. Um, they have it and they have all these sets, they have all these production schedules. So I think that might more than likely stay at this point, but it's looking like 
this this stay or this hold on production seems to stem from the fact that they're adamantly trying to find somebody to come in and replace James Gunn as a director as soon as possible. And I think that they're trying so hard to kind of keep the current production schedule close to what it was originally going to be, um, which can be hard uh, to do, obviously. So I'm going to, and in addition to that, we've also in, I think also Variety was, was also reporting that Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, which I think all of us on this channel love that film and what he did with the Thor franchise, mm-hmm. um, had met with Marvel Studios recently about an upcoming project. Of course, no details about what that would be, but I don't think it's any coincidence by any stretch of the imagination that that project they were discussing perhaps might be very much related to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, I know that we've been very vocal about how we feel about Taika Waititi and Guardians, and I think uh, I, as well as Peter and Kyle, have been in the camp of while we love Taika and and while we love his sense of humor, um, we don't necessarily think that his sense of humor meshes with Gunn's sense of humor in the films that he has made. And I will go one step further and just say that I think our reoccurring issue with the director Taika, at least as Peter and I have mentioned in previous episodes, is that he's very neglectful of um, giving the film enough room to breathe in terms of emotion and in terms of, um, I don't know, some like actual feel moments that's that are inevitably just supplanted by another joke. So we have certainly issues with Taika, but then you know, I know I can speak for everybody on the panel or of this network is that we are of the view that James Gunn and Guardians are synonymous with each other and you cannot separate the two. Um, and when you see those films, you see an exact representation of what James Gunn is. And to see a Guardians 3, I think, is without him involved, even if the script is used, is very disheartening. And that's coming from my perspective. So, you know, before I even ask you about Taika, David, um, and I've been asking a lot of people who have been coming on the show. I certainly asked this about Tanetti, and I asked her her thoughts um, on last time. For, for if you didn't know, I, I did record a whole episode with Nettie that'll be up on Sunday. So, yeah. And we got into whole, all of this. So I just kind of want to start off with your thoughts on this entire... I don't even know what to call it. Um, <laughs> this entire situation? Yeah. From from like from where it started weeks ago. Remember the... It feels like a lifetime ago when we first talked about this in... What, what did Kyle call it? Jumping the gun in San Diego when... This first happened back at Comic-Con. It feels like a month ago at this point. Maybe it was over a month ago. I can't even tell. I feel like we've been talking about it for years now. And just Seriously. Like, we just, <laughs> and we're never going to let it go because it was so dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, go ahead, man. Just take, 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 take the floor and tell me what you think about all this. No, I mean, I hated it from, right from the beginning. Like, they're just tweets. And I understood it from a business standpoint because i know some people were saying like what disney was trying to do was stopping like any other article saying like oh disney supporting a pedophile because those those jokes were bad Mm -hmm. and like i understood that part but which by the way we have all said that we're not defending the jokes yeah i'm not defending we're not yeah i'm not defending the jokes either if something ever comes up saying like he actually did something bad like that then we change yeah then it's just yeah gun who (laughs) exactly but again to just to be clear like i've I've been saying a lot on twitter it's like seriously it's like i'm leading a campaign or something on twitter at this point (laughs) but like i said he hasn't actually been accused of anything and there's no accuser of anything or any wrongdoing toward this man these are jokes that he tweeted out years ago that no one is defending in any sense but 
what we can equivocally state for the record, those tweets didn't harm or hurt a single individual aside from James Gunn himself. Mm-hmm. Which is the truth. Which gets me so mad why they won't rehire him. Like, I understand the other part. It's like they're not going to hire him back because they got a, uh, what's the term? Safe face or something? Safe face, exactly. Yeah. Like I, which mean, yeah, which means like they won't admit fault because they can't appear to look weak as a company. Mm-hmm. And I find that so dumb, too, because if they hire him back, then, yeah, we're all going to say, finally, that was smart. Good job. You're making to a mistake. Like, we're going to say that, but then we're done. Like, we're not going to say anything else. But because they're not hiring back, we just keep complaining, complaining. And, like, I feel like some people might, like, just not want to see Guardians 3 at all, which will mess up their box office. We're not letting this go. And I think for a multitude of very good reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I feel very strongly that this is the, the biggest story right now in the industry because of the implications going forward. Um but as far as let's keep it to the Marvel side right now of it. If I'm Disney at this point, I'm beginning to get kind of scared, you know, mm-hmm. about not necessarily how financially successful Guardians 3 will be. I mean, if it's a Marvel movie and if especially a Guardians film at this point, it's going to make money. I think that unequivocally can be stated. What I, if I'm Disney, well, actually, just me personally, looking at this, I'm beginning to get concerned with the overall quality of this movie and how it's going to end up being received in the end. Yes, I think you're absolutely right when you say that it's just an idiotic decision because they didn't just, like drop one person for, that was going to direct one last movie. James Gunn was all in mm-hmm. on the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as has been reported not only by us, but by many other outlets. He uh, And part of the reason why I think Kevin Feige fought so hard to at least try to get a meeting to cons- reconsider hiring him back is because both of them had a lot of best laid plans for the future or phase four. A lot of that was going to be the cosmic cinematic universe of which James Gunn was shepherding. And in one instance, all of that just burned to crap. Mm-hmm. It really did. And from a financial perspective, that, I think it's idiotic. And I think what's more obvious now than it has been before is that Disney realizes that they've made a mistake. But because of what they are and what they represent and how influential and powerful they are, they have convinced themselves that they can't be placed in a position of weakness. And admitting fault to them seems very much that that is a weakness. And again, I think it makes it even more frustrating because, and I think you would agree to this, it's like, if if you hire back James Gunn, you fix all of this in an instance. Yeah. You literally fix all of this in one instance. And I'm not Mm -hmm. even just talking about fixing your own personal issues with Guardians 3 and with Marvel going forward. All of that can be repaired in an instant if you just give a phone call and you hire him back and that's that. But what you also do in return is... You take away the artillery you handed over to these online Nazis, which essentially is what you did once you fired James Gunn, because as we've been saying for weeks now, an even larger issue and an even larger consequence to this, um, as we have been saying now for I don't know how many weeks, this unjust and stupid firing of James Gunn, what they have succeeded in doing so, even if it wasn't their intention, they've validated a lot of these um Twitter trolls is really putting it very kindly. You can call them alt-right, online terrorists, as I've been calling them, or Nazis even. You've kind of, you validated them by, by firing James Gunn. And I can't stress to you enough how deeply, how deeply destructive that is and how I think that's the, the bigger story, as I've been saying for I don't know how many weeks <laughs> at this point. That's the bigger story. And that's the biggest story in the industry because 
Disney, which is I think has become the most powerful and influential name in the entertainment industry, has influenced and has propelled this group of hate-filled people forward. And that what they have done is what is next and who is next, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to like, can you speak a little to that? And then overall, like what that makes you feel? Actually, I just had a thought of like another reason why they like fired him so fast. And it's really just because they have so much to think about because mm-hmm. like before, uh, the whole tweets thing came out, they had Marvel in the bag. Like, they had Avengers 4 coming up. They're, I'm pretty sure they're confident in what it, the next movies are going to come out. But then, so then you know, their focus was probably just on, like, Star Wars because not a lot of people are liking it. That new, right. that new um, what is it, Star Wars Resistance thing came out? Yeah, the fan base is very much divided. Yeah, it's point. all divided. It's so no I'm pretty secret. sure they're trying to put their focus on that a bit, especially since they're yeah. stopping the whole, what is it, anthology stuff? They're stopping that, and as an added boot to it, as we've been saying for weeks, um, they're focusing a lot, a lot on the live-action Star Wars show and the revival of the Clone Wars for uh, Disney direct-to-consumer. And then they had that deal going on with Fox. I feel like they just got so scared <laughs> of those and, tweets. Right, and on top of the whole Roseanne situation. Oh my god, that's so true. Oh my god. <laughs> because, like, I know, I mean, at the end of the year, we're going to have to have a retrospective about how how you know disney really has kind of you know flexed his muscles into a whole bunch of different pockets of the industry and and into other industries because at one point this year in 2018 roseanne was the number one show on television mm-hmm. and it was like one of the most successful comebacks in history and then with one tweet it was all destroyed and that was on her and it's completely on her and i think disney made the right decision to fire her but and i'm gonna ask you this I know the answer, but I just I want you to kind of like explain what the hell the difference is here for people who might be wondering because I think there are still people out there that are kind of like conflating this. What's the difference between the Roseanne situation and the James Gunn situation, and why do you think Disney was either right or wrong in any of those um, decisions? Roseanne's thing is that was just the most racist thing ever, and she's probably like. <laughs> She's most definitely a racist because of it now. Mm. Like we see because that way more year. now. Yeah. And with Gunsting, he's not a pedophile. He's it's just stupid jokes. And he apologized for it a long time ago. I I've never I've I haven't seen one single tweet that like he says that today. Like stupid jokes like that right now. So like it's just it's there's no similarities to it at all. And it's good. <laughs> at least that one, at least their quick thinking on Roseanne was like, it's, you can back it up. <laughs> yeah. At least that, that was warranted. I said, I think you and I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. Cause I know I mentioned this previously. Um, how does this make you feel? How maybe you can talk about this year as a whole, but maybe especially this whole gun situation, how does that make you feel about Disney now, nowadays? Um, I mean, it's kind of scary because we don't want them to do that to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Who has like even someone like who probably has like a potential future on like some on directing or writing or who knows what. Mm-hmm. And especially with so many um, things they have now, like they can really bring in anyone they want to just work right. on a movie like if they want to reboot alien or something like to just get a new director and who knows maybe people will see it or something but they have rights for alien right for fox deal yeah they do okay yeah. then yeah it's like they can do whatever they want i'm not hating them like entirely it's right. just this is a dumb mistake that i hope they learn from it and not rush into things whenever something else comes up do you feel though that um for those that are saying that Disney kind of like stumbled their way into supporting Nazis, do you feel that's a fair criticism? Mm, um, at the beginning, no. Because again, mm-hmm. I understand that they they just got scared and they did some quick, stupid thinking. 
Right. But then now I kind of do. <laughs> cause, yeah. Because, again, like all they have to do is just rehire him and then everything is done where we forgive them and we can go back to our lives and focus on other stuff. Right. But the fact that they don't is just kind of like, what are you doing? You really are helping the, what would you say? Yeah. Twitter Nazis? <laughs> yeah. Twitter Nazis, alt-right people. Um, because again, like we all said, as Peter mentioned, the person who led this, Mike Cernovich, um, is somebody who wasn't joking and he's been accused and done a lot of worse things and is a terrible human being in his own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, these people only brought up these tweets again because they wanted James Gunn to get fired because they didn't like what he said about President Trump. Mm-hmm. That's that's why this thing began. And I think too many people are not focusing on that issue. Yeah. And no one's really talking about how it is we can prevent something like this from happening again. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't don't you find that weird that no one's talking about that? It's like, how is that not news because i kind of think it's the most important and most terrifying thing coming out of this yeah no i mean fuck (laughs) that's a lot (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's the right the right way to to respond right yeah because like damned if you do damned if you don't but i think there really is um a way out of this and it seems like they're just not going to take that way Mm -hmm. speaking of what do you make of these rumors now transitioning into the taika side of this Mm -hmm. How does it make you feel that Taika, it looks like, I think anyway, he's being considered. And I think I'm of the mind where I think Disney and Marvel desperately want him to be the one to take over this project because he's already ingrained in their culture. They already have him on contract. And then also, he's also done a film that exists in the cosmic cinematic universe. I'm thinking that not only do they think they can he can easily take over Guardians 3 – but that he can shepherd in the the cosmic cinematic universe in Phase Four. That's what I think. What do you think overall about my theory, and then also Taika doing a Guardians movie? Um, I agree with you guys in saying that if Taika directs Guardians Three, like it is not going to be the same as the other two. Um, which, like we're not saying it's going to be bad. It's just yeah. it's going to not going to be the same. No, I know Taika is a great director. I love Thor mm-hmm. Three, and I saw Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh-huh. Uh, what we do in the shadows if you haven't seen that oh my god it's hilarious oh yeah that's true no but Hunt for the Wilder People like it's one of my favorite comedies <laughs> wow yeah it's just not right for that movie I mean I can I can see I'm making other whatever cosmic universe movies he can make whatever mm-hmm. it's just not Guardians no I mean I think you said in the beginning though is that he just he has a he doesn't have like a stopping point to how to stop comedy in the movie in his movies it's just but I even in Thor 3 I think that's one of like the biggest complaints is like you don't really have time to like take in the emotional parts right yeah right. I'm hoping though if Taika is nice enough he could just like have James Gunn on the line like 24-7 while filming mm-hmm. and be like hey how do you want this scene <laughs> or like hey what do you want to put in the soundtrack next or something I'm thinking I'm thinking that's what it is. And I mean, that's what like, and I put this on Twitter. It's like, I don't think Taika like wants to jump into this and do this, but I'm thinking if they can get James to kind of like have a conversation with Taika and kind of like talk him into him and like give him his blessing, I think Taika then will do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm thinking he's becoming like the front runner to do this kind of thing. Um, I mean, if you're not going to hire back James Gunn, which is, like, I think for me, the only thing you can do to fix this, I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess this is some, like, the closest thing you can come to, like, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, taking a needle and maybe threading this through, but at the end of the day, this is a troubled production from beginning to end. <sighs> and even when the movie comes out, um, that's going to be a controversy in and of itself. Um, and I get, and obviously the most important thing out of this is, um, Mike Cernovich and his people win mm-hmm. and continue to win every single day that James Gunn isn't hired and I guess won't be hired back. And so, um, 
that's dangerous and that's gross um, and disappointing. Yes, I'm also hoping if he does direct Guardians Three, I hope it doesn't affect his career in any way. <laughs> Taika, yeah, yeah. Like, um, like again, it's if he because that's also the hard part though. Because if he wants to kind of go for like James Gunn style, like that can mess him up and mess yeah, up the movie it, entirely. But I'm thinking if he does get hired, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to call it, people are going to be throwing, are, are going to be showering him with praise because <laughs> it's a thankless job at the end of the day, yeah. being the person to take over James Gunn, who was wrongly fired. And that is a view that is highly held by many people in the industry, even though they won't actively come out and like call the bullshit for what it is. Everybody knows it. Um, and I think like Taika really is being put in a very um, uncomfortable situation. And ultimately, I do feel bad for him, for better or for worse, in this production. Mm-hmm. That's just my thinking of it. Anything else to add on this situation about, you know, the future of Marvel um, and everything, and then also, like, Guardians 3? I mean, at this point, do you care about Guardians 3? No, actually. <laughs> and those guard- wow. the Guardians are actually, like, my top. Marvel films, so mm-hmm. that kind of sucks. I mean, I watch Guardians three, whatever, right. but I hopefully I come out of it just kind of like uh, it's good, or I hope I don't come out disappointed. <laughs> yeah, this it is really depressing, dude. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, let's 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 jump off of that because we've had we've had like four or five shows, just like hours filled at that point discussing it. And let's get into something even more depressing. <laughs> um, seriously. Um, so last year, Marvel um, and IMAX and ABC, Marvel Television, I should say, not Marvel Studios, mm. um, attempted, <laughs> I guess, a collaboration of sorts. And that was Marvel's The Inhumans. And... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it it is perhaps the single biggest screw up that I can think of in recent memory. I think it's the single most embarrassing um, product that has come out. I think in the last ten years, and I think. Um, the single most embarrassing uh, product to come out of Marvel in the past 10 years. Um, it is, you know, I think we're going to use the word embarrassment a lot, but it's just, <laughs> it really is something that brings nothing but shame and humiliation to anyone and everyone associated with this show. Um, and that is because, plainly, you know, simply putting it, it is god awful. Mm hmm. It is abysmal. It is pathetic. It is weak. Um, and it, it is so incompetent, you can't even enjoy this as a comedy. As an inadvertent comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. As an accidental comedy. Like, a lot of us were looking forward to this because it, it looked so bad that it might be one of the situations where it's so bad it's good. Yeah. And, like, and the, while there were some laughs... I think all in all, those eight episodes were, um, they kind of sucked the life out of me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, here, David, like, like, what are, like, some things that you can name about how <laughs> that just made you, like, what the fuck about this series? Or moments that made me go, what the fuck? Well, yeah, you can, you can tell me, like, overall what you thought about this and then, like, go into, like, some like moments that kind of made you go like what the fuck in this show oh god the whole thing was just horrible I (laughs) (laughs) like I what the heck was Black Bolt doing the whole time (laughs) he just didn't I get like his whole thing is like he doesn't talk because his voice is too powerful right but he really did nothing and he's the leader (laughs) And then some everyone's storylines. I'm pretty sure there was like four storylines where there was a lone trust with each character. Oh my god! 
And oh my god, there was, huh? Yeah. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Oh my god, you know, you know, it's really bad when you you just forget they're the love interest at all. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. And I hated the like parts where I was kind of like, okay, this might go somewhere good, but then it just ends and it went nowhere. And oh my god. Like I, I don't know what to say. Like seriously, what what can you say? I mean, all right, let's start with the most absurd. Well, it's kind of hard. What's the most absurd? Because they're all absurd, really. Um, Crystal, the daughter, or actually the sister, um, Medusa's sister. She had what (laughs) the hell? Like, she's literally just a love interest storyline. Yeah. And like, okay, she meets this like cowboy, I guess, or this like country person, and and that's it. And I think she uses her powers like once in the entire eight episodes. Yeah, I think and they so. weren't even that interesting or clear what they were. That's the problem I think with the show is like, look, this is supposed to be a show about you know super powered people, and all of them have individual like powers. Mm-hmm. And I think downright what is so like offensive about this series is that at no point do you ever get an understanding about their powers, how they work, why they work, and what they really are. Because a lot of their powers are kind of just, like, really hacked off. Mm -hmm. Medusa, who has, like, this hair that can, you know, like, I don't know, she she can, like, throw things and, 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 you know, fight through walls and people with her hair. It's, like, super strength, and it just gets cuts off. Yeah. Um, Black Bolt has, like, amazing powers. If he just, like, whispers and he, like, destroys an entire city, that's never seen, un- like, I guess one time at the end of the, sh- at the show. Well, Maximus is, like, literally is nothing. Like, may- yeah, maybe, like, one time at the beginning of the-, of the first episode where, like, there's a car, I guess. Yeah, but even then, people were like, that's not his power at all. Like, <laughs> that's not how strong Really? No, I mean, it is his power. It's just, like, that's not how strong it is at all. Like, that should have oh. destroyed the whole block or something. I don't know. Yeah, again... Maximus is literally like it, it never fucking is like clear to me like what the hell he is like okay I guess he's an inhuman but he has no powers and like that's really interesting to me how the hell you can go through pterogenesis and come out like unfazed mm-hmm. like you think that would have been something you could have explored like why you know yeah and I think it's never really like explicitly stated why or why not that happened it just is and it's never brought up again by the way, Ewan Rion, I felt so bad for him. Like, he was, like, I think going for things, but it made the character feel so much more sad and the performance just so, oh, my God. Like, seriously, it was just bad. It really was. Um, again, and then also the production value of the show is, like, something out of, I think it might be even offensive to call it, like, a party, si- party city level uh, production because the costumes are horrendous. And we all knew that before going into this show. By those fit, by those uh, photo stills that came out, they were horrendous. Mm. They were trash. They looked awful, and it was even more apparent in the show that because of budget constraints, and we'll go into Shield season five in a bit. And while we will admit that there were budget constraints, and you can tell them, they, they I think what the writers of that show found were like really creative ways to kind of make them sense within the storylines of the show and made it work here there was no attempt whatsoever mm-hmm. i mean what was his name was it um was it karnak the big uh, the big guy um is that is that him or who was uh, it no. The, big- no the big the one with like hooves or something yes that's gorgon oh yeah gorgon um you see his hooves like for the first episode and then when he gets to earth there are boots on him <laughs> I'm not, and then also it's like it's, at some point it feels like the show is making fun of these people for having powers because Karnak, when he gets to Earth, he hits his head, and his powers are fucking useless. Yeah, and then he, and then this is where it, it honestly kind of like like it, it kind of crosses this whole dimension where it becomes this completely different show where Karnak like stumbles upon these like pot farmers, <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> And, and like, of course he falls in love with with one of the, the girls that are there. I like how and he, like I like how he helps them like expand their pop farm. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, th- like what? Like seriously, why is this a storyline? The only thing that I liked about his story is that because he was living on the moon for so long, he knew exactly what's going to happen. Because that's kind of his power, I guess. Like, he's able... 
to like work out stuff like equations and but still it's <laughs> but then but then he gets to earth and it's just kind of like i'm unsure if like my powers work the same as like on the moon like and then talk about more disappointing things what was her, what, what was um the the inhuman that was like maximus's right hand man uh triton not triton that's a whole other thing like seriously <laughs> um the um, what's her name the one that looks like a lawyer looks like a lawyer the girl that gets stabbed and she comes back to life oh oh maximus right hand man thinking i was thinking yeah that. yeah um that's oh. aura i think aura yeah i know yeah <sighs> here's the problem with her i saw her like her her like depiction in the comics mm-hmm. and what they did to translate it on tv and honestly that's like one of the most insulting things i've ever seen from a comic to adaptation like translation like seriously because like she has like deer ears and like in in this show it's like if you saw any scene with her you would have thought to yourself what is this hawaii 50 like, what, like she's a fucking lawyer the way that she's dressed as and i'm like okay and then also like did the only money they spend is to just have exterior and establishing shots in hawaii and again, it has this stupid and idiotic, like, trend that you see in all these kind of, like, properties that I, I guess are kind of weird and out there. Why do we leave the moon? Why do we leave Adelan and then just go into Hawaii? <laughs> I mean, why? It's like, again, it's uh, you're just doing it to save money. Not that Adelan looked that great to begin with. Yeah. Honestly, like, I think Peter at one point either called it a parking lot or a shopping mall. Yeah. <laughs> with how it looked like and how, and again, you never really got a sense for how big that place was either. It looked like it was like a shoebox in there. Mm-hmm. Well, it looked so tiny and small. Supposedly, they're living underground. For some reason, I think they're living on the ground. I'm not which sure. we never see. Yeah, which we never see. That's how people are living. It's like either live as a king or you work, 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 yeah, work. And they and, and they film in that they film in the same hallways in the same like room for every like shot of Adelan, Maximus and Adelan. Like he never left that room. Basically, <laughs> it's like I think it's just the like they're outside, look overlooking the city, yeah. or it's that room like the throne room or something. It's awful. And then it's like, it's just like you keep uncovering more and more idiocies. It's like the way they portray the people of Adelan, like the monarchy and the, and like the caste system. Yeah. That's not a good look mm-hmm. at all. Why would I like these people? Why would I want them to succeed? And then of course it's like, at some point it's pointed out to them by like this useless, like reporter or a NASA character on Earth. Yeah. What, like the one that like meets with Medusa and everything. Out of nowhere, it's pointed out, you know, maybe the way you guys live isn't so fair. Yeah. And it's like... You're right. <laughs> it's, like it's like fucking Black Panther, right? It's like, oh. oh, yeah. Somebody points it out like, oh, maybe what we are doing is not what's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are right. And then by the end, without even exploring it or going into why you would change your mind, they changed their minds. Well, I mean, they had they had no choice. Basically, they were gonna destroy the moon. <laughs> Not which, which again, they they, just, they they end the season with destroying Adelan, and then as a society moving to Earth, and we don't know where they are. <laughs> And I don't care. <laughs> and and really, I don't care. Yeah. Why should I? Mm-hmm. No. And then they tried to, like, put in this thing. It's like, oh, we became... Like, it's got to be me to rule because, like, there's this thing coming. Or... Oh, God. Like, they're, they're trying to set up second season by saying, like, yeah. there's a big threat coming. And I honestly thought it was going to be Thanos. But no. Yeah, I... Did they? Did they say that? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Thanos at all. It was just some big threat. I don't know what. I thought it was the Kree or something, but mm. then again, who who cares really? Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, David, like, what can you say about this? 
um, this show. Are you glad you watched it all the way through? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there are some stuff that still kind of make me laugh. Like I freaking love that scene where like you try and supposedly comes back. He was alive all this time. Don't oh care. My God. And he just comes back and it looks like they just got a mannequin and put like a motor behind him and just. Oh my <laughs> God. Remember the scene where young Black Bolt kills his parents? He just like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> it just blows him away. <laughs> and then the brother supposedly, oh, it's my fault. You killed them. It's like, no, he would have said something eventually. <laughs> you literally have to do nothing. I'm so glad it was canceled. Ah, uh, me too. <laughs> the saddest part, actually, to me was that they shot, what was it? They shot the first two episodes in IMAX and, like, they thought that was, oh. thought that was gonna bring people in. And then there were some people that, like, that I follow, follow online. Mm-hmm. They went to, like, the, to the movie theater where they premiered it. Yeah. I've seen some people who did that, yeah. <laughs> they were like, it was just pretty much the, like two people in there or something. Nobody wanted to see it at all. Well, because the, the, the images and the trailers are off. Oh, yeah. And they weren't lying. It was. Mm-hmm. So that's all I can say about that. Um, let's finally close this Inhumans chapter behind us. <laughs> and the last thing we'll get into today is a show... Uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which uh, we've discussed uh, previously on this channel in different um, forms. Um, and I kind of like want to have a general discussion about this show and what it is about it that, you know, kind of attracts uh, you and I, David, to liking this show so much. You know, I, for the record, as I've said in the past, but I want to just like reiterate it here. You know, one of the reasons, ironically enough, why I, I, I kind of latched on this show early on is because at that particular time, um, I had seen Avengers and I had seen Iron Man three, and I was like beginning to like really get into Marvel, mm. um, and like get a feel for this universe. And in that same vein, that same year, my my previous favorite show at the point at the at the time, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, was canceled. Yeah. Um, it was abruptly ended, and it felt it felt wrong. Honestly, it felt like why? So I was kind of like in this like the state of like, well, I don't have a show anymore. Like really, you know, that I tune in and watch. But then I saw that, um, they were going to have this like show on, on Colson who I liked. And I was curious about Colson. I was most curious about, okay, he's alive again. Okay. Yeah. Same. It's going to be, it's going to be a Marvel show on every single week. And like, okay, this, you know, this, this seems interesting. Um, I'll go ahead and give it a try. Um, and then I saw it. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I was very taken with the pilot. I thought it was a very good pilot. I thought it it, it was an interesting premise. Um, it did feel at the time like, oh, this is like a procedural, you know, like one of those shows that like, you know, like it's a sci-fi show and, like, and maybe more of an X-Files, like MCU, like feel for it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I liked the characters enough because I, I was introduced to them. So I was like, okay, you know, I got nothing else going on. What do I have to lose by, you know, tuning in and watching? Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people that just liked the show from the very beginning. Looking back on it, I very much understand why a lot of people were turned off and why it just wasn't very interesting to a lot of people. I get that. But I liked it and I was like I remember I remember that time where Winter Soldier came out and that was a great movie in and of itself but then the whole tie-in with um, episode 17 of this of season one and the whole Hydra reveal and I was I, I remember just being so like excited mm. and like blown away literally by this like crazy connection between a Marvel movie that was released and then also this show. And every every single week after that for season one was, I thought, like a vast improvement. Like there was a sense of direction. There was a sense of motivation and purpose 
And you could even feel that in the actors themselves and in the characters and in the writing, how like the show kind of like flipped on a dime in tone and in like in direction after that film. And ever since then, I feel it's gotten progressively better and better. And I think to this day, it has become one of the best um, shows on television. But I think more importantly, like, also one of the best science fiction shows on television. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is like, I guess, I guess you can, you can like fill like fit it into this comic book like genre but i think it also kind of like exceeds that because like think about agents of shield it's like it's not focused on any one superhero it's like it's an ensemble show and it's about these like this agency these agents of shield that have kind of like and the definition of what shield and shield is has changed throughout the years but at this at the core of it it's your phil colson's of the world you know that lay their lives and like and honestly, like I'll tell you this, like for from where the from when the show began to where it is now, I never would have imagined that the threats that they would have like dealt with in like toward what we just got out of right now, I never imagined this show would go to where it has gone in especially these last two seasons. Um, so, I personally love the show. I feel a a, kinch, uh, a kindred spirit with a uh, a lot of these characters. Like for me, watching the show for five years now they kind of feel like family to me i know like, that sounds a bit like weird and crazy to say but like i think tv shows in particular have that effect on you especially the ones you watch long term and i feel like these characters like i've grown with them like year after year mm-hmm. and they've become an extension of what i consider to be my family and i i think that became the most apparent um in the 100th episode of the series um, where they gave us that amazing wedding that I never thought we were going to get. I never even, I never even considered it for a second that was going to be an actual thing because this show never gives us anything happy. Like seriously, <laughs> it's mostly kind of doom and gloom for these people. But to have that moment in the hundredth episode, um, kind of really kind of like sells why people love this show. They love this show because they love these characters. They connect with them, and really, that's kind of what I feel it's about. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that, really, because I think they they have these characters and they surround them with a lot of great story, a lot of great writing. Um, and what really I think makes the show is this their continuing uh, love to kind of subvert expectations along the way. Because mm-hmm. especially with season five, there are things that they throw at you and you wonder, OK, is this how it's going to go? And and, the, and I, I've heard Jed and Marissa mention this on many occasions, like they really love to like every single season up the ante and they love to kind of try and divert the viewer's attention and distract them with nonsense. And a lot of times it works because they do, they, they pull things that I never would have expected. Um, so that's my long, like, I guess the story of it. I want to hear David's like side of it from the very beginning back in 2013. I mean, you pretty much said everything. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I was, I loved everything Marvel, and I like I I took I want I was interested in the show because Coulson was back and I was like oh dang mm-hmm. how did he come back and did you have any theories like that, on that <laughs> like how did he come back I I think some people were saying like oh it's part of the clone or something <laughs> uh, wait say it again did you like did you have any theories on that when like they first announced it um. <laughs> Coulson returning like I know yeah 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 when it first came out right I mean yeah. that was the big that was the big thing that kept my interest every week because I wanted to fucking know how is he alive mm-hmm. how did they bring him back you know like that's like really what kept me going back every week initially you know yeah um and what like drove me to go watch this in the first place um what my theories were I don't know honestly I don't even remember that was such a long time ago but I do remember once they did reveal how he was brought back, that blew my mind. Yeah. That's not, that, that wasn't at all what I was expecting. Same. Oh, my God. No, so when watching the show, it was really the characters that got my attention the first mm-hmm. time. Um, my favorites, and still my favorite, are... Um, ugh, I'm horrible with names. Um, the ones that got Daisy. married... Oh, Fitz and Simmons. Yes, they're Fitz and Simmons. Fitz Simmons, and they're really the, actually the ones that like I always yeah they always they're always the ones that make me want to come back to the show because I think mm-hmm. them they really grew the most 
and then out of all the other characters. Not that the other characters didn't grow. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things that happened there too, but when you think about Fitz and Simmons oh, from like, God. from like the first episode, like these adorable, like, you know, sweet kids that would never harm a butterfly, it would seem to where we are in season five, where they're one of the th- biggest badasses ever. <laughs> like, see, like think about Fitz. Like he, like he, he had, the, he was rocking this bounty hunter, like look in season five in the future. Oh, and like, okay. he like saved like Simmons and, and then also like the things Simmons has done, like from where I think she almost like killed Cassius with a butter knife almost um, at that at that point. And there were other things that she did too. Those two, and I think you're right though. I mean, from from where they, I mean, they got dropped to the bottom of the ocean in season one, and he it's got brain yeah. damage from it. Yeah, he got brain damage, but I mean, they they jumped through portals in the through the universe. Um, not to mention the whole framework and how fucked up that was and how that changed, like, the whole show, but how it changed them in particular. I mean, what they, that, what, what they went through those five years, those five seasons, I haven't seen anything like that in any, any other series. Like, the growth. You're so right, man, about Fits and Sevens. Like, seriously. And what I love is, like, they always come back to each other. <laughs> they always do, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just I was I was interested in Marvel. I wanted to see like what they were going to bring to it. And yeah, in the beginning it was a bit rocky. I was kind of mm-hmm. but I I always watch shows to the end, so I was like waiting to see what they were going to do. And that reveal of Hydra, I didn't I didn't watch Winter Soldier when it came out. <gasps> you didn't? No, so Oh my god. Yeah. So and I like I didn't even know for like the longest time that like that was a connection to Winter Soldier. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's just like they just what was it? I think it was like they revealed like the sim- Hydra symbol or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! And <laughs> and then like Shield just went downhill from there. And oh man! And who was that one character? The one that Ward? Yeah, him. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of like whatever about it that he he turned like he was on the bad side. I was like, oh okay, mm-hmm. we'll see what that goes. But like, what got me like super excited was how he like got into Coulson's mind, pretty much. Yeah. Oh my god, it was just like, oh yeah, I just I played the what was it, the loner, <laughs> and then you picked me. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. And then you realize all that all of that was just a ruse, and it was a setup, and you believed it. We all believed yeah. it. Yeah. And in reality, people don't know this. Um, Jed and Marissa, Jed Weed and Marissa Tancherone, the showrunners of the show, knew very well at the beginning of the series this is what it was going to go up to. They knew from day one that this is what the turn was going to be. It's just that they couldn't get to it until episode 17 because they had to wait for the Captain America the Winter Soldier to be released in theaters to do that turn. Because mm-hmm. otherwise that would have spoiled Captain America the Winter Soldier, <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. Um, so they kind of had their hands tied in that situation. But I think they were able to like – I I look back at that part of the series you know, with just like appreciation because – it was only for like 17 episodes at most and that was like like the first era of the show but if you think about the evolution from season to season the show changes mm-hmm. like year to year and it kind of becomes a different thing like the beginning of this of season 5 was like an apocalyptic futurescape time travel like what the hell after go after you know escaping a a, vir- a virtual reality mind prison fascist state before then dealing with robots and and demons from hell i never would have thought those things would have happened and then of course i think the biggest frontier for this series was the inhumans mm. like I mean, you know we just talked about before i mean for me that, that's not canon like that's not my canon i think what what agents of shield did is the real inhumans canon and the real inhumans lore because they took the time and the care to kind of like introduce this like weird element of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then normalize it and make, and yeah, it makes so much sense. So it make it a part of human evolution or not human evolution, but like human tampering evolution, you know, mm-hmm. about what, what it was. I mean, I want to get what you thought when they first did in humans here. I thinking back on it, I freaking love that episode because I remember it was, 
first you you know that Daisy is like part of the comics. She's part of the comics. Right. They like switch your character completely. But then also um, that one guy that died <laughs> when they revealed it. Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no! You're talking about um, um, Antoine Tri- Antoine Triplet. Oh, who? When when she first transformed? Yeah, when she was first transforming, and like you know how like the thing was forming on her body. Yeah, that and, that was Trip. Yeah, Trip, because oh. it was Reina and 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 Sky in there, and then it was also Trip. Yeah, and then Trip, like he he thought like the only thing to do was to save her life, and it was oh, it's so sad because it was that didn't help. No, it didn't. Oh my god! And then. But they did a good job, didn't they? Yeah. Like, really kind of, like, introducing that. And that, that was the whole season. But, like, to think that, you know, Daisy, who started off, started off as a hacker girl in her van, and she, at the end of the series, or at this point in the series, is a superhero. Mm-hmm. And she, like, figures out her family and just who she that is. Was a whole, that was a whole other thing, dude. That the family was, like, maybe the most tragic part of her because, like, mm-hmm. both of her parents were kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, in like in different ways and like she didn't deserve all that but like you know that's just great writing I feel yeah. what they did and I think she grew as a result out of that and you understand all- why her parents are, psych- are like psychopaths yeah. Yeah. too yeah it's awesome. and you know she grows every year and but she still I think carries with her a bit of naivete and a bit of her like I think her setbacks is like she she's very impatient mm-hmm. and she's very quick to conclusions and we and we see that throughout um I think she learns from it a little bit every time, but that's like the one constant you see in Daisy. So she's very like stubborn and upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing I actually, one thing I didn't like about what they did to her though, is that they keep putting love interests <laughs> that, you know, that's a common complaint about her, but it's like when I think about, okay, the love interest she's had, right? So it's, it, it was Ward mm-hmm. and then it was Lincoln. Yeah. Mm, what else counts though after that because I'm for me I don't consider Deke a love interest because that never was a thing like that was like his thing and like he had feelings for her Mm -hmm. but he never acted on those feelings and I don't think I think she was just oblivious the entire time like she at no point did she ever I even think that he had anything like feeling like feelings for her so that to me, I don't consider a love interest. What I would consider more of it, even again, nothing was came of it. I think she and Ghost Rider grew very close with each other mm-hmm. when they were like together on the run, and especially at the last season four episode where he goes into the, the ghost dimension and he gives her that look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was something there that I personally would have explored, and I thought they were great together, Robbie Reyes and Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, again, that could be a love interest in the future, but that wasn't really a love interest, you know? Mm-hmm. I think So it's like that, yeah, go ahead. I think maybe the bad part was like, it was, it was Ward and Lincoln like right after. I think, I guess that was, that was a bad thing. Um, what's your favorite season? Isn't it hard? Because I, I kind of love them all, really. Yeah. I mean, I think there there are ones I prefer over others, but still, it's like the more like I, I would binge watch every single episode. I love this mm. show. I really do. I haven't re you know? I haven't rewatched like any of the seasons, but mm-hmm. I would say four season is the LMD, right? Four seasons LMD Ghost Rider and Framework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say that one because that one mm-hmm. like that one really put the show up. Yeah, that one really worked the best as a season. Mm-hmm. And it was just like that was a lot of hype for that one in the beginning because we were we all oh knew Ghost God, Rider was yeah. going to be in it, right? And, and they were and they did Ghost Rider justice. Oh my God, they did. And I, I like how I liked his exit where his exit was literally like, like the portal from Doctor Strange. Yes. I was like, yes, there's yes. the tie-in. <laughs> yeah, I mean for me. I think obviously season four is the best, um, and I think it it works overall. But as you will hear me say when, whenever we review season five, I love season five personally, um, and I think what it suffers from is maybe too many episodes. Like it, it maybe they could have dialed it back here and there, especially in that second half. But overall, 
what I think, I think season five has overall better individual episodes. I'm not saying like there are, I think there are in season five in there, there are episodes that I think are better Mm -hmm. than most of the individual episodes in season four. I think season four works because it all works as a cohesive piece. Mm -hmm. Um, and there may be like one episode in each arc that kind of like is like defines the season and they're all good episodes, but I feel season five has like, I think, you know, more standout and better episodes for the series, you know, like orientation when they first go into space or rewind the, the episode with Fitz and Hunter or the hundredth episode, the real deal, or even like, um, the devil complex where Fitz and the, the aberration or not aberration of like the framework Fitz coming back. That oh was a the, the thing in, that wasn't that amazing. I think that's my favorite um, episode because it and then, really yeah. threw me off. And it's, yeah, it scared me <laughs> for Fitz. Yeah, it, it literally scared me. And then also, I, like, I think the four, the last four episodes of season five, like really upend what we thought was going to happen, and they kind of act like a small movie almost. Like, like they really, like, and then that the finale was great. I thought so. I mean, really, um, I love this show. <laughs> if that wasn't obvious enough, I think you do as well. <laughs> yes, uh, we're going to review season five pretty soon. But we would encourage you to go and look at the show. And I would also encourage you, David, to go back and, and you know, binge watch it again from the beginning. Maybe. Um, and, and then, like, you let me know what you thought of it. Because, like, you have plenty of time. We're not going to get season six until July 2019. That's true. Maybe I should. <laughs> you, have a, you have plenty of time. You could literally do one episode a week and you, I think, would make it <laughs> until, like, July. Oh, man. You... The problem with yeah the the problem with me though whenever I would rewatch it is I can't like do one a week I probably like do like I don't know ten a week or something mm. I'll probably do that too yeah but I would say like I think the show gets better and better every year I think it uh, it gets more and more fans every year um, I I think a lot of people who are Marvel fans don't know about the show or do. And I've heard it got better, but it, they never really go back into it. And it's a shame because I think this is becoming one of the brighter spots of the MCU overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think you'll hear us uh, say more about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when we do the review. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to uh, break some news um, on the show that, that just happened recently. Um, it's not connected to the movie world but it is a figure um in this country's history and it's it's a sad it's a sad uh story john mccain the senator of arizona where you're actually living in um david and former presidential candidate and war hero has passed away at the age of 81 the news is breaking just right now yesterday the family had announced that they were discontinuing treatment for brain cancer and today unfortunately was the swift result of that John McCain, 81 years old. Um, I, of course, without say, everyone, speak for everyone here, we thank John McCain for his service um, and for the great American hero that he was. Um, he was uh, one of those people that was early on in my um, interest in politics. And deep down, he, I think he will be remembered for being a good man, a great man even. And one that cared about this country, even though, um, as I will fairly criticize, many of the actions he took in the Obama administration and further on, um, he, th- I think for most of his career, he did what he thought was right. And I think we can salute that at the passing of a great American hero. Um, so with that, thank you, uh, David, for joining me. Uh, I think it's been a good show. Uh-huh. Um and um, yeah I'll just go ahead and leave it there you can catch us on podcast.com on iTunes Mixler Google Play and so on and so forth on YouTube actually on Red Spotlight um, you can catch the Fantasy Fair every single Monday the Red Spotlight podcast every single Sunday and we'll have future installments of To the Tables we have a brand new audio commentary on Black Panther um, that we think would actually fit in lovely with this show um, and yeah thank you David again and thank you guys for listening and we will see you back next time and uh, please 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 try and stay positive out there guys bye bye